When the game is over, the fun begins. Interviews, highlights, analysis, and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins, Reed Wilkins on Oilers on Radio, Oilers. 630 Chad. Drake Kajula scores twice for the Oilers, but the Vancouver Canucks go two for two on the power play, including the game winner by Anton Rodin at 15:53 of the third period and the final tonight, Vancouver 5, Edmonton 3. We can also tell you that Patrick Maroon left this game in the third period after taking a hit from James Shepard along the boards. Uh, looked like he was favoring his uh, left leg as he went off. No update on him yet from uh, the Edmonton Oilers, so we'll keep an eye on that. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 10.57. We are in the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center. Overtime open line presented by the Canadian Brew House. You can reach us. 780-496-0063 is the phone number. You can also text 630-630. All right, Rob. Well, you know, another another night where I think we're uh, concerned a lot about individual evaluations as as much as the team game for sure and uh we'll start with the guy who a huge positive tonight for him and that was drake kajula who uh, gets on the score sheet a couple times and i thought had a pretty good all-round game for edmonton and he's coming off back-to-back good games he played very well on uh, at rogers on uh what was it monday now now i guess they seem to be blurring together already so he's put together two good games i mean they're giving him the opportunity they're putting him with good hockey players both games he's played he's had seasoned veterans with you know offensive pedigree with him but he had to take advantage of it and he did He, he looked good he looked confident uh the biggest things that i see with him is he's got hockey sense like very good hockey IQ out there. He knows where to be, puts himself in the right position, creates things for his line mates. Uh, a, a, a very good start for him here as an Edmonton Oiler, and he's trying to prove a point to the fact that if he does not start the season here, that he should soon be a call-up if there anyone goes down because he... Uh, he, he's got the ability to play at this level. Now it's just a matter of finding the consistency to do it over and over again. And if, you know, it's a big if because we don't know what's up with, with Patrick Maroon for sure. They're, they're certainly not going to rush him back in a preseason game and, and risk anything if it wasn't major. But Kajula has been playing center for the Oilers. He played left wing at the University of, of North Dakota. So that's another thing to possibly figure in if that injury bug has bitten Maroon. We should say one of Kajula's teammates in North Dakota, uh, a big story for the Vancouver Canucks tonight, that was Troy Stetcher who winds up with three points. And, and smart. You know, he made some great plays on the back end for the Vancouver Canucks. I'm not sure that the goal he got was his. I think it was deflected in, but it still would have given him three assists on the night. Uh, he, he just, he's a playmaker at the back at the back end. And what you see with a lot of guys that come out of college, because they're usually a little bit older than than the junior players, is the patience and the composure they have. And he had wonderful composure on the point. The the goal, I think it was Rodin scored. He he hesitated. He faked a shot. He got three Oilers to bite and move their sticks out of the passing lane. Then he throws an absolute bullet pass on the stick to Rodin for an easy one-timer goal for him. So, yeah, whoever is... Uh, who is the coach in Notre, or, excuse me, in North Dakota? Because obviously... They had some skilled players there last year, and he knows how to work with them. All right, so the Oilers lose 5-3 to Canucks. Kajula scoring twice. The other Edmonton goal late in the second period by Griffin Reinhardt. He was certainly under the microscope tonight. 
Full credit for the goal. Obviously, you can't take that away, but, uh, man, I thought it was a tough night for Griffin. A very tough night. Uh, beat a number of times one-on-one. Lost his man a couple times in his own zone. There was one that I think typified his game. He had the puck in his own zone. Uh, they were giving him easy access out. He just skated right up the very middle of the ice and then passed the puck right on the stick of a Vancouver Canuck who was not even close to being in the play. It, it was just a tough night. And sometimes a young defenseman with the pressure on them, if they have a tough first or second shift, it just snowballs for them. And I think that's what happened with Griffin tonight because he started slowly and it just got gradually worse. All right, We'll start off with Greg tonight on the phone lines. Hey, Greg, thanks a lot for calling. Hey, how are you guys doing tonight? Very well. Okay, well, I just want to say a couple things. Um, number one, I just want to know, um, the, their power play was one for six tonight, I, I do believe. Um, I wanted to know, um, like, uh, was McDavid on for most of the, the power play time or not? Um, the other thing I thought is, Kajula looks really, really good. Um, the other thing I wanted to say was, um, when you see McDavid uh, breaking down the wing and, and, you know, splitting the D and, and using his speed and then passing the puck out front, um, there's nobody home. So I don't know if that's uh, a speed thing on, like, I know Eberle has the speed to be there, but um, Lucic maybe not so much. I know it's only uh, the second preseason game, so, you know, I'll give it a pass on that. But but do you think that comes in time where Lucic will know uh, where to go um, when McDavid's coming down the wing and dishing out in front? Because that, that one... If, if there, if there would have been somebody in a slot there, that would have been a tap in for a goal. So, um, so I'll hang up, and I just wanted to get your opinion on that, uh, mostly on the power play. So I will uh, let you guys go, and I will just listen to what you guys have to say. Yeah, right on, Greg. Thanks a lot for calling. I'll answer your ice time question first. The Oilers were on the power play. They, they were one for six, like Greg said. They were uh, 11 minutes and 12 seconds on the power play. McDavid played six minutes and 39 seconds of those, though he did not obviously figure in the power play goal. That was the Kajula goal. Greg's other comment was about McDavid throwing passes in front and people not being there or not finishing. Well, playing with great players is not as easy as it sounds because they do things that other players don't. Uh, There was two or three passes tonight that McDavid made that no one else on the team is even thinking of making. So if you're not used to playing with a McDavid, and you see him in a certain position, you're not expecting a pass. Because, I mean, he made passes back through, about five feet behind him, across the, the crease, that the players weren't expecting. I, I know that the one, Lucic, had actually stopped skating. So he figured that McDavid was just going to go in and try and beat the goalie himself. So that's just a matter of playing more with McDavid. That's just getting some chemistry, practicing together, getting some more exhibition games in together, and then he'll learn the tendencies that McDavid has. Also, on a couple of those plays, McDavid probably should have shot, and I think McDavid right there is trying to get in tune with his line mates and wanting them to feel good, so he's probably making a pass that he doesn't need to make. Uh, Will foot speed eventually be an issue? It might be. Connor McDavid is world-class fast. Eberle and Lucic aren't. But then again, I don't know if there's anyone else on the Oilers that's world-class fast. So they're going to have to learn to adapt to it. 
But you can't look at one game and say, all right, ooh, that didn't work very well. Maybe they should try the next guy down the line. Eventually, they will find a way to make it click. McDavid's good enough. He's going to make other players better. And Lucic and Everly are smart enough. They're going to be able to adapt. And I think you make a good point. And here we are picking apart Connor McDavid's game. I mean, he's already a, a star in the league after playing 45 games last year. But there were a couple times where I think you're right. You, you were expecting a shot. Mm-hmm. It, he looked like he was in a better angle to shoot than a guy he potentially might have gotten a pass through to. Now, is he being deferential? Is he is he trying stuff? You know, we'll see. Well, no, it's funny too. So, Lucic and Everly have gone through a couple or a couple of practices. They've gone through one exhibition game. That's it. In the World Cup, McDavid made the exact same play. I, I think it was it was Matthews. Austin Matthews scored. Well, those guys were playing at a high level for a long period of time against very good competition, and they had chemistry. They worked together for a number of practices and games. Austin Matthews knew where McDavid was going to make put the puck. So he had realized that. He would learned that. Lucic and Eberle are eventually going to get, especially Lucic, he's going to find that spot. He's going to find out the tendencies of uh, of Connor McDavid, McDavid. And when he does, then you're going to be able to judge him on what he can and can't do. 5-3. The Canucks beat the Oilers tonight. It was 3-3 after two. The Canucks with a late power play goal and then a shorthanded empty net bank shot by new Canuck Eric Goodbranson to put it away at 18:34 of the third. We'll go back to the phone lines. We have Terry on the line. Hey, Terry, what is going on? Rob Reed, great to talk to you guys again. Terrific. Uh, uh, anyways, uh, Bobby uh, Stoffer there, I think he was a little too uh, generous with his assessment of the game. Uh, uh, ex-class might have mine of a D of A. I was about 25 years older than him, but uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyways, uh, in my day, uh, we would be calling for refunds on this game. <laughs> but it was in Vancouver, so I'm pretty sure the Vancouver fans yeah, were pretty excited I about it. I know they were happy with the win, but boy, oh boy, there sure wasn't much to look at, was there? Well, if you if you look at Vancouver's lineup, I mean they've what do they have five six players that are going to start the the season with them. It was not their their A lineup or their B lineup, and this and it but it was also game two of pre. I mean, what what day did the Reed? You know what day did the training camp start for the Oilers? Uh, last Thursday. Thursday. So it's it's been less than a week of of guys playing together, getting back into shape, things like that. So to me, the last exhibition game you watch. Because that's a game where they're, you know, they're actually trying to win the game. The coaches are putting the players in the right position. Their power plays the right power play. Their penalty kills the right penalty kill. Until then, they're just evaluating. So the first, these first two or three games, it's just a matter of guys trying to find their feel again on the ice. Thanks for calling, Terry. 11.07 Canucks over the Oilers 5-3 tonight. You can also text us at uh, 6.30, 6.30. Uh, Steven says, uh, hey, guys, I know it's early and guys are shaking off the rust. How do you think Eberly did tonight? And hoping he's going to have a big year. That is from Steven. And Mike from Red Deer says, I was happy to see Patrick Maroon get off the ice under his own power. I hope he'll be okay to play on opening night on October 12th. Uh, yeah, for sure. If you're just joining us, we don't have an update yet on Patrick Maroon. I imagine there'll be further evaluation over the next couple of days. You know, Maroon had a good game. He just stole the puck mm-hmm. from Miller behind the net, did a good job to get it out front to Kajula. He proved last year, um, you know, 14 points in 16 games. I don't expect that pace from Maroon, but, he, you know, he proved he can be an important part of the team. 
Uh, certainly can. And, and he also proved that he can play, and he did it in Anaheim. He can play with very skilled players. He he, he brings something to the table. He drives the net. He works on the forecheck. He gets in uh, and disrupts things. And when he does get the puck on the stick, it doesn't die on his stick. And tonight he, he set up a wonderful goal. You hope he's not injured uh, long-term. You hope it's just something minor. As for Jordan Everly, uh, I, I, really unremarkable game. I mean, I don't think he was awful. But I don't think he stood out at all. He looked a step behind Connor McDavid. And because of that, that line really only had a couple shifts where they were effective. And the rest of the night, it was just kind of bland. Drake Kajula got both goals for the Oilers. He was named tonight's second star. The uh, first star of the game, a no-brainer, really good game for Vancouver defenseman Troy Stetcher. Brendan Gauntz from the Canucks was named the uh, third star of the game. Rob and I are going to give out the fourth star of the game, courtesy of Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. But we almost always pick an Oiler for this one. You know what, I'll go with Patrick Maroon because I thought he was... Busy tonight, involved, picked up the, an assist and helped Kajula with a couple other chances. Yeah, that sounds good to me. I'll, All right. I'll go with your choice. And I think Alex wants to talk about Patrick Maroon as well. Hey, Alex. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Yep. Love your show. Glad hockey's back and I really like listening to you guys. Yeah, I'm obviously concerned about Maroon. I'm a big fan, as a lot of other people are. And, uh, you know, I, I, it goes back to this depth thing on wings, man. I mean, if... Uh, and I know it's only one game, obviously everyone knows, and it's been discussed tonight about Lucic and Eberle not being able to keep up with McDavid, and not too many people can. But, you know, I've never been a Pouliot fan. You know, the guy uh, takes penalties uh, like he did last year and uh, not at good times. And and if Maroon's hurt and if Lucic, uh, you know, I'm sure he's going to be there. But all of a sudden now, as a fan, I'm concerned about that left-wing depth and I guess maybe as Drysdale going to move over on the wing, I'm hoping that's probably what's going to happen. And here's my question: If Drysdale does go to the wing, and you got R N H centering that second line, what do you think about who's going to be the third and, and uh, fourth centerman going forward on that team? If uh, that's, I guess that's my question. Yeah, fair question. Thanks a lot for calling, Alex. Well, Mark Letestu is going to center the fourth line, ideally. He won't play as much as he did last year. If they move Dreisaitl to the wing, I mean, you look at Anton Langer, uh, Lander. Um, you look at maybe Drake Kajula, though I don't, I still don't see that for the start of the season, even though he played well tonight. You look at maybe Chris Versteeg, though I think he's more comfortable on the wing. So I, I think that's how things would shift around if Dreisaitl did wind up on the wing. I agree. Um, I, I think if if a Maroon or if anyone's out long-term, if they lose any wingers, then you're going to bump Dreisaitl up because I don't think the Oilers have enough depth to have three sets of wingers that can play with offensive players. So if, if for some reason you, you someone doesn't start the season, you, you bump Dreisaitl up. I mean, there's also the chance you put Letestu back as the third-line center until people get healthy, and Jujar becomes your fourth-line center, a big body on the fourth line. But once again, it's we're still two weeks away from opening night. So many things can happen between now and then. There could be injuries. Somebody could surprise you like a Davidson did last year. There could be someone picked up. Uh, before the the, the season starts because teams start getting rid of contracts, getting rid of players that uh, they don't see fitting into their team. So a lot of things can happen between now and opening night. So to to start making a, a lineup would be futile because it could change tomorrow. 
Some other updates here for the Oilers. Connor McDavid tonight played 23 minutes and 5 seconds. That led everybody on the team. Uh, just making sure I got this right here. Joey Laleja, the top defenseman ice time for the Oilers, 22-17. Everly nope. played... Oh, yep. did I yeah, miss? you're right. Nope, yeah, you're yeah. right. And uh, Everly played 22-53. So those guys were certainly out there quite a bit. Lucic wound up with 21-39. We have our uh, old friend Rocket on line five. Hey, Rocket, thanks for calling, buddy. Hey, guys, how you doing? Doing well. It's a great month for sports, Ryder Cup, baseball, and best of all, Oilers preseason. <laughs> you like the NHL preseason, do you, buddy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good to have hockey back in in uh, in, uh, in uh, late September for sure. Looking forward to the season. Um, I kind of thought uh, like Lucic had a few chances, but he didn't seem to have his hands around the net. Like there was some some occasions there. I remember. Do you, do you have a shot total for him? Yes, uh, I just was looking at it. Only one shot on goal, which I think was in the second period. He had another one in the first period that I think got blocked which would look like that might be a goal when McDavid set him up. Uh, it says he has two. He said he had two attempts blocked, and he shot wide once. Yeah, he seemed to be a little bit, it looked a little bit to me, I don't know, slow at, at, at times. And, and, you know, McDavid, of course, looks so fast because he goes through the neutral zone and he's skating by everybody, not just uh, our guys, but everybody else, too. Well, I, I think so. it's also a bigger difference right now because, I mean, Connor McDavid's been playing real hockey, and Lucic hasn't. So Carter McDavid, he's he's in midseason form right now. Where a bunch of these other guys, I mean, they got rust on them, and you can tell. You can yeah, tell where the. Pa- say, do you think Connor McDavid needs to maybe slow and take it down again? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure he has a first or second gear. I think he goes straight to fourth. When you're playing with Austin Matthews in that North America tournament, it's just friggin' awesome. It was, and it they it's a different style of game too that he played with the North American team. It was just go go go. Yeah, and but they had yeah. the talent level to do that, and unfortunately, uh, the Oilers don't have as much talent depth that the, any of the World Cup teams do. Obviously, so uh, it, it's going to be a different style of game when he gets going, and the NHL game is a much different style than the World Cup games are. So, it's, uh, well, it's, just hypothetically, if Lucic, if if say the chemistry doesn't work, mm-hmm. and he moves to like a second line, do you think? Like, who would those players be, and do you think there'd be chemistry there? Well, I I think Lucic is going to have success anywhere he goes. Uh, I mean, he, he's not going to be a 50-goal scorer, I don't believe, here. You know, if he comes and scores 30 goals, and he's a physical force, and he's good on the forecheck, and he brings that leadership, I think that that's what they're hoping for. I mean, he, the, the thing that the Oilers have, if you're not playing with Connor McDavid, well, then, hey, you might get to play with Leon Dreisaitl, who's as good a passer as anyone in the Western Conference. He's, he's great with moving the puck. And if you don't yeah, play with him, well, we also got, we've also got Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So, I mean, there, there are places to put skilled players. I mean, that's one of the cool things. If you come into Edmonton and you're an offensive player, you, you're going to play with someone good in the middle. So... If if they're going to give Lucic a long, long look with McDavid, and it doesn't always work out. I mean, T- Taylor Hall did not work out playing with Connor McDavid, and all of a sudden a fourth liner at Anaheim, Patrick Maroon did. So it's just a matter of them finding the chemistry, and they're hoping it is Milan. Rocket, thanks for calling, man. I know we'll hear from you again. Yeah, take care, guys. That is Rocket at 780-496-0063. Tyler is up next. Overtime open line, courtesy of the Canadian Brewhouse. We are coming to you from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre. Oilers fall 5-3 in Vancouver. 
Live from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, this is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Now Davidson, Puglia, top of the left circle on the half wall. High slot, Davidson. Kajula right circle. Now Pouliot's open. Back to Kajula. What timer score? Kajula's got two in the period, and this game is tied at two off a brilliant feed from Benoit Pouliot. Time, 19-27. The Oilers never led tonight. They came back to tie it three times, but they couldn't do it a fourth. Vancouver added an empty netter to win it 5-3. And yes, Drake Kajula, one of the new Oilers, scored twice tonight, including that one-timer on the power play. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. It is 11-20. You can reach us 780-496-0063. Our adjustment of the game is courtesy Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Live better, Move better with help from your chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. Well, one of the adjustments that the Oilers had to make tonight was the fact they had six left-handed shot defensemen playing in the game. So three guys had to adjust and move to the other side and play right-handed or play as a right-side defenseman. It worked for some. It didn't work for all. The adjustment didn't work for Reinhardt as he struggled over there, whereas someone like Davidson, I think you can put anywhere left or right and be successful. So the adjustment tonight was left-handed guys having to play on the right-hand side. All right, we'll go back to the phone lines here. We'll bring in Tyler, and then we're going to get to Todd McClellan's postgame. Tyler, how's it going? How's it going, Bob? How you doing? Yeah, go ahead, man. Uh, so I have a question to ask you, sir. I thought Lutz played very, very well today, but I believe he's too slow for McDavid. I could see Lutz playing with Hopkins on the second line at the beginning of the season, along with possibly Maroon, I'd say. I could see Yakupov actually being given a chance to play with McDavid along with somebody as at least heavy somehow so they can help them on the ice because they're a little bit obviously smaller in size. But I'm really, really interested to hear one thing if you guys don't mind and I want to ask you guys a question. How come Yakupov has not played a single preseason game yet, has not dressed, has not been... Tyler, he... he Tyler, hold on. He played... He, he, for the guy. Tyler, he, Tyler... Tyler, Tyler he played... Tyler... He be motivated to be better. <laughs> You guys can't just do that to him. Okay, Tyler, I'm putting you on hold because you have your facts wrong there. McDavid played the other, or pardon me, Yakupov played the other split squad game in Calgary on Monday. He was supposed to play tonight. He practiced this morning, and he had a bit of a minor issue. I wouldn't call it an injury, but something that held him out of the lineup. So he was supposed to play in two of the first three games. Right, so he's not being left out by, by any means. Uh, all right. Uh, he, he. I mean, here's a, look. In terms of the Lucci speed thing, I'll I'll just say this. I don't know if playing with Connor McDavid comes down to your speed, because Patrick Maroon is by no means the fastest player in the NHL, and he had some success with McDavid last year. Benoit Pouliot is a pretty good skater. He had success with him, so. I don't know if it's as simple as saying if you're fast, you can play with McDavid, and if you're not, you can't. No, it, it certainly isn't. And it's funny, they brought up Yakupov. Yakupov is not fast. Yakupov moves his feet fast, and he looks like he's going fast. He's not a fast skater. And uh, I, I'd love to see a Maroon-Yakupov race. And I, I, I don't know right now, but I'd still put my money on Maroon. Yakupov's not fast. Uh, I said before the game tonight that... Everly, 
and Lucic were going to look slow in the game tonight because Connor McDavid is fast and Connor McDavid now is at world-class speed in mid-season form. Eberle and Lucic are not, and they're not even close. They've been practicing with a bunch of players who are going to be playing in the minors, are going to be playing in junior. They've played two exhibition games against two glorified AHL teams. And Connor McDavid has been playing against the world's best, playing on lines with some of the best in the world. He's, he's at a different level right now because of where he's been, as well as being who he is. So they were going to look slow. I don't care who the Oilers put with them tonight. They were going to look slow beside Connor McDavid simply because where Connor was for the last three weeks. Canucks, sorry, Rob. No, go ahead. Canucks over the Oilers 5-3. Sam is up next on the phone lines, but we want to go back to Vancouver. Here's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. Uh, Patrick Maroon, okay? Uh, I can't even give you an update yet. Um, we've been talking about the game, and, and I haven't got anything there yet. Uh, what elements of uh, your team's game did you like and maybe some of the things that uh, you weren't too... I liked our start. I thought we were fast and uh, we were on top of the, the opposition. After that, I thought we got sloppy and uh, our passing was very poor. We threw a lot of passes into the tape or when it was on the tape, we didn't... Re- or into the skates, pardon me, and when it was on the tape, we didn't uh, do much with it. So it slowed us down. Um, I didn't like our specialty teams one bit on both sides, power play and penalty kill. And that can happen at this time of the year. We haven't had a chance to work with it. We've got um, pieces that aren't uh, aren't used to working together, so we've got a lot of work to do there. And, um, you know, that's that's the the game in a nutshell from my end of it. Well, Connor and Sluch, uh, and Jordan, did you like that line? Um, I thought they were real good early and, and good late, kind of in between, not as, as much done. I thought they would get a little more accomplished on the power play. Um... But uh, for the first time playing together, I thought they looked dangerous um, in certain situations, had some good scoring chances. Uh, probably our most dangerous line. You were accustomed to seeing Connor off the rush, but he looks like some guy named Gretzky behind the net. What, he can do. What, what dimension does that add to? Well, he's, he's so quick back yeah. there, too. He's, I, I think there's long, quick, and short, quick, and he's, uh, he's good in both situations. So um, he can turn on a dime. He can make plays from back there. I think Milan will have to get used to it because uh, he'll surprise you sometimes with where he puts the puck. And uh, and Ebbs is used to it, and probably not his his best night. But um, once they get going, I think we'll have a dangerous line. How can that benefit Edward Davis? He's always had that good release, tight, tight. He has the ability to handle the puck in crowds. Um, he's got a good release. We saw it on the power play when he hit the post tonight. Um, you know, so I think that's going to help him. The size that Luch will provide them. Um, there's three pieces there that are going to complement each other well. What are we learning about Drake Kajula? Look, he's paying the price. He's eating elbows, and he's got a black eye right now. He's still scoring, though. Yeah, we're learning a lot about him. He's he's come to make the team. Um, he's come to take somebody's job or earn a job. And uh, for me, I'm getting more and more confident in playing him every night um, in, in any situation. Very competitive guy. Um, you know, controls the pace of a shift. Competes all over the rink. Pays the price to get things done. Um, you know, he's not coming in and... and um, wasting time and waiting for the season to start so um, as it goes on if he continues to play that way when the puck drops for real he'll be ready to go all right so that's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan not overly pleased with the game tonight as the Oilers lose 5-3 to the Vancouver Canucks we'll have more post-game reaction including from Jordan Eberle as we move along tonight we'll go back to the phone lines right now and welcome in Sam hey Sam you're on go ahead hey guys how are you tonight good uh, I just want to say um, 
one of the fans out there need to realize that uh, Lucic has only played two games with the Edmonton Oilers. So it's going to take time for him to get used to what's going on. So don't start judging now. Um, look at what he's done with Kopitar and stuff like that and just let let things happen. Uh, like you said, too, you, you nailed it right on the head. McDavid has been playing at a, a high level in, in the World Cup of Hockey, and so he's a step above, and he always will be a step above. But it's, it's smart players, which is why Lucic and Everly are on his line, because they are smart players. And it will eventually um, come to fruition, and things will work out. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you guys was, what do you think about, uh, um, you know, uh, dry settle being on the wing, and then, you know, because um, we are looking for a, a third-line center, um, Kajula kind of maybe fitting that role. Um, you know, he's offensive. He he works hard, and you know, and he can he can score, and he can set up plays, and and he's basically like an Ethan Morrow, but with a little more scoring touch, where he shows up every game, game in game out, game in and game out, and and plays his heart out. So, thank. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate you calling. I, I I don't see the comparison with Ethan Morrow. It, just they're completely different hockey players. Um, Morrow was a, a hard-nosed third-line guy that he, his compete level was awesome, um, but he was not a guy that was going to create plays. Um, but the, the the thing that you got to you know temper the enthusiasm with right now is it's 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 only been two games. It's been two exhibition games. The, the Vancouver Canuck lineup tonight. They had five NHL players in their lineup. The Calgary Flames lineup the other night, a handful as well. So it, it, we're, we're still not playing against the big boys. Uh, having said that, if you're going to play against players of that level then you've, and you want to be a player that plays in the National Hockey League October 12th, then you better play well in those games. And he has, and I give him credit for that. But you've got to remember that they're going to start getting into harder games. And the veterans, and we, we look here in the Edmonton. I mean, the Oilers veterans have not been good yet. They're, they get into it slowly. And the other team's veterans are going to be doing the exact same thing. So as it goes on, these are building steps. And he's at the bottom right now, and he's taking steps forward. But we got to wait until we see, you know, the, the last exhibition game, the first couple regular season games. And then you'll have a better idea of where all these players fit. Oilers lose 5-3 in Vancouver. No update yet on the injury to Patrick Maroon. Louie is up next on the phone lines. We'll also hear some post-game reaction from Jordan Eberle. It's the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Parandish Team Broadcast Centre. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. From the Terry Perinich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, so the final tonight, 5-3 Vancouver or the, over the Oilers. Quickly, here's how it went down. Stetcher at 12-20 of the first on the power play. Kajula got it right back for Edmonton at 14-21. Gaunts at 16-59. And then Kajula... Again, for the Oilers at 19.27 of the first, it was 2-2 after one. Labate at 15.33 of the second period. Once again, the Oilers come back. Reinhardt at 19.05 stayed 3-3 until on the power play. Rodine for the Knucks at 15.53. Shorthanded empty netter by Goodbranson at 18.34. Shots for the game, 29-26 for the Canucks. They were 2-for-2 on the power play. The Oilers were one for six. Jonas Gustafsson 
played 40 minutes for the Oilers, faced 17 shots, allowed three goals. Nick Ellis, who uh, had an outstanding college season last year with Providence, a 9.36 save percentage. He stopped 10 out of 11. He uh, didn't have much of a chance on the power play winner, though he did Though he did get an, across enough to get a piece of it, but pretty good play by Vancouver. Oh, it was a great play. Uh, great play and, and great finish. Rodine, that, that's not a tough, tough or excuse me, that's not an easy shot. A one-timer when you're on that side to be able to push the puck all the way back towards the net. Uh, wonderful goal and uh, it was, you know, it got his feet wet. I thought Ellis was fine. He gave them a couple of big saves. Unfortunately, it just wasn't enough. So the Oilers drop this one 5-3. They will play in Winnipeg on Friday night. 780-496-0063. We'll go to Louie on the phone line. Hey, Louie, go ahead, man. Hey, how's it going? Good. Good, good. Just some thoughts on the game tonight. Um, I think Ryan Hart, uh, Ryan Hart really struggled, uh, number eight. Um, I think the other guy that got uh a lot of power play time. Uh, Leggy, what's your name, sorry? Oh, Laleja. Laleja really struggled. He's trying too hard out there. I don't know what he's trying to do. Um, I really think uh, Drake played a great game. He's, he's going to be the third line setter. Even if he doesn't score again, he's still going to get that. Um, uh, I really think uh, Yakupov, um, Yakupov didn't play, but I think uh, even if he scores 50 goals this season, they're going to treat him. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't think he's going to score 50 goals this season. Oh, I don't think so either. I'm just saying even if he did. Well, you know what? I, the, the, I'm not sure. They've tried trading him, and it didn't work. Yeah, those are just my thoughts. Anyways, back to what I was saying. Uh, I think Ryan uh, Ellis really is. I don't know what they're going to do with him. They have a lot of goalies. I think they have four now in the AHL. Is that right? Or? Oh, Nick Ellis. Yeah, yeah, Nick Ellis and all these other goalies. Uh, yeah, well, they got. You know, f- they still have five yeah. goalies in camp, Louis. So uh, Talbot's obviously the starter. Gustafson is penciled in to be the backup. I would yeah. think Brassois and Lara Kynan yeah. would play in the AHL, and then probably Ellis would start his pro career in the ECHL. Just you know, looking think, at it now. I think Brassois can beat out uh, Gustafson, the monster. I think if, uh, if he gets an opportunity this year. Well, he, he had a he had a pretty good opportunity at the end of last year and really struggled. That's why they brought in Gustus and they wanted Brisson to be the backup. That was their that was their whole yeah. thought going into it, and he struggled. You can improve a lot in, in the in the summer, you know what I mean. So you never know. Give him an opportunity, give him a chance. If he doesn't make it, and well, he's uh, been a backup all his life. So. Well, you know, he hasn't been a backup. He's been a starter. He's been a starter in the minors. He's been a starter in junior. Eventually, the, eventually he'll get his opportunity up here, but I don't, I don't think it's going to be this year. I think Gustafson will be the backup. Brassois will go down to the minors and play a number of games, and then moving forward, he would be the goalie of the future for the Oilers. I just don't think the future is this year. Yeah, I, I, I think there, Louis. And thanks a lot for calling. I mean, I understand we're getting texts. You know, valid. Gustafson didn't look great no, tonight. He did not have a good game. Uh, Obviously, he didn't allow a goal. I think he only faced 10 or 11 shots in Calgary on Monday. Brassois came in and stopped 22 of 23, and we didn't see the, the full game, obviously, Rob. We just saw some highlights, but we had textures saying Brassois played very well there. I just think, I, 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 I understand what Louis and other people are saying. What if Brassois grossly outplays Gustafson in the preseason? I still think the plan is for Talbot to play 60 games, mm-hmm. 
and you don't want if you want Brassois to be a, a key part of the team going forward, and by forward I mean years, not mm-hmm. months. That you want him to play a lot in the AHL. You don't want him. You don't develop a goaltender by having him watch Cam Talbot sixty out of eighty-two nights. So that's why I think Gustafson will start in the NHL and Brassois will start in the AHL unless Gustafson is just like letting everything in. Yep. Well, we we saw that last year where I mean, in, in the, we had a goaltender under contract here in Scrivens that they just got rid of because he was outplayed in the preseason. And then what was the big Swede's name? Anders Nielsen. Nielsen. Then played he well for, played real well. Then he while. struggled and they sent him to the minors and they brought Brassois up to play then. So uh, this this organization now is not afraid to make moves that they put contracts into the minors and they allow guys to win jobs, which is great. But for the long-term future of the Edmonton Oilers, it's better for Brassois to play a number of hockey games and sitting on the bench does not benefit him, and it doesn't benefit the Oilers in the long run. Then I would think he would be the guy for the Bakersfield Condors, the no, main guy. I believe so, he'll be the number one, and he could play yep. 50 games down there. Yeah, and I think that's what they want. But, you know, fair question by Louis for sure. It's 11:41. Brad's going to be next on the phone lines, but let's go back to Vancouver. The Oilers have lost 5-3 to the Canucks. Here is winger Jordan Eberle. There's more excitement yeah. than there's um, maybe ever been, so... Um, you know, I just I think for individually wise, you're trying to find your game right now and uh, get ready for the regular season. Connor talked a bit about how scrambly preseason players, but you can see the potential of your line. And you must be extremely excited about it. Yeah, I mean, we definitely had some shifts um, where we you know controlled the play in their end. I think we need to find a way to uh, to to get the puck in in around the net. Um, you know, I, I think with Lucci's big body, you um, should open up some space for Connor. And I I think when playing with Connor last year. Um, you know, we had a lot of success on the rush. Um, we created a lot of chances that way, obviously, with his speed. And, and uh, you know, I think if we want to uh, grow our game as a line, I think we're going to need to find some ways to score on the cycle, um, get our D involved, and, and, and find ways to get some greasy goals around that way. So, um, you know, that's obviously what we're trying to focus on doing and, and finding some chemistry. It looked like you had, it looked like there were holes that were created, especially when uh, Connor was behind the net, especially. Just a matter of kind of figuring out where each guy is going to go in those spots. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, You know, we definitely found some areas that we can improve on. Um, I think that's what preseason's for. Like I mentioned, you're trying to find your game. Um, You know, I I thought we had some great cycling shifts. Um, We had some opportunity there. Um, I mean, obviously, Luch had a couple opportunities. I I hit a post there, you know, on an open net. Um, But, you know, tonight was a a different game just because there was a lot of power plays and it kind of controlled the uh, or ruined the rhythm of the game. But, um, you know, we need to find a way to, if we want to win, that game to, to do very on the power play. Do you have to tailor your game differently? I mean, when, when Connor sets up behind the net, kind of look like Gretz back. There, mm-hmm. I mean, you've always had that good quick release. Do you have to do anything you have to work on, or did you change? Not really. Um, for me, you know, you, you the biggest thing, I mean, you're not going to get shot off unless you find some space. So um, you know, I pride myself on, you know, getting into the, the areas, you know, you need to do to score. So, um, you know, that's a start. Um, you know, there's still lots of room to grow. Um, but, you know, I, I thought, like I said, we had like, some great controlling shifts where we where we played in their end, and, and uh, we seem to find a way to, to create a chances out of that. All right, that's Jordan Everly following the Oilers' 5-3 loss in Vancouver tonight. I think Tom McClellan gave a pretty good summary of how that line looked. Everly, Lucic, and McDavid, uh, good early, then quiet, and then maybe a little more dangerous near the end of the game. Yeah, and uh, to me it was expected. I mean, the... 
you, you take a Connor McDavid who was playing these really, really important games, and now all of a sudden he's playing against a, a Vancouver Canuck team that he probably only knew five guys. There's going to be an emotional letdown. There's going to be an intensity letdown. Uh, and Eberle and, and uh, Lucic, they've played in important games. They've been in huge games. The game on September 29th in Vancouver in, against a bunch of nobodies, it really doesn't get them excited. Whereas a guy like, you know, some of the other players that are trying out, they're trying to make a name for themselves that don't have that experience. This is the Stanley Cup to them. So they're going to be out there. There's going to be a higher intensity, higher emotion. And you saw that in a number of the Vancouver Canuck players that we can't pronounce their game names or haven't heard of them before, but they shone tonight because they have something to prove. As the preseason goes further, as we get to the end, as we get to the last one or two before we get to the regular season, the intensity, the emotion, the, the give-a-care meter will all rise for the Edmonton Oilers veterans. And that's when you're going to start to see it. And it's just like the playoffs are more intense in the regular season, the regular season will be much more intense than the preseason. 780-496-0063. We have Brad standing by. Brad, thank you for calling. Yeah, thank you. Just uh, calling about a few things here with Shirelli. Uh, I like the guy. I like his hard nose. Um, just a few things about his the guys he signed, Lucic for one, I mean, on a six-year deal. I think that's kind of crazy. He's a big body. Um, other than that, and he's protecting Reinhardt, somebody he traded for. Uh, I, I just believe myself with Davidson, the guy's proved himself. He's come out of nowhere, and he's just way more better to protect than Reinhardt. Well, I, I think you make a good point, Brad. The, the Reinhardt deal is going to be scrutinized, and he didn't play well tonight. Uh, he played 29 games last season, and uh, you know that's that's one that uh, is going to be picked apart for Shirelli. I, I don't tell tell me what you mean by Lucic being signed for for six years and being a big body. Just just a big body. He's what is he thirty thirty two or so. Um, I, I don't see. I think he's. Oh, he I think he's still in his. He's in his. He's still in his twenties. Well, what did you mean when you said that they're protecting Davidson and not, or they're protecting Reinhardt and not protecting Davidson? Talking about the expansion and. and oh, next year. Back. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Next sorry. Year. Well, and, fair enough. But I, I think we'll see how guys play before that. Before we we get there, right? But no, I hope. I mean, Davidson. Davidson's looked good. Hopefully, he has another good year. Uh, Lucic turned twenty eight in June. I know Brad in the summer when they signed him and, and I was doing inside sports and we did extended coverage on free agency day. You know, I, I understand that. Is he going to be as good at 33 as he is at 28? Well, we don't know, but to me, that's no reason not to sign a guy, right? I mean, you can't, I mean, what if he's really good for four years? Isn't that worth worth having? You know what I mean? That, that'd be great. Uh, in four years would be awesome, but I don't see it for more than two. <laughs> I think it was a Shirelli Lucic kind of thing when he drafted him. So. Okay, well, we'll see. Thanks, Brad. Thank you. Appreciate you calling. 780-496-0063. It is 11.47. The Oilers fall 5-3 in Vancouver. Quick timeout, then you'll hear from Connor McDavid. It's the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre. Live from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, this is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 
All right, 5-3, the Vancouver Canucks knock off the Edmonton Oilers tonight. Drake Kajula scored twice for Edmonton. He had a good game. Griffin Reinhardt overall didn't have a good game, but he got the Oilers' third goal as uh, the Oilers now 2-1 and one in the preseason. They won both split squad games against the Flames back on Monday night. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Some text here to 6-30. Jimmy V in Westlock says... I thought Brandon Davidson looked good tonight, poised in position and playing the correct angles. You know, the defense discussion is, is interesting because if you look at the defense tonight, you got Nurse and Davidson. Oh, yep. Both very likely to be in the NHL this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Musil, Laleja, and Simpson. All going to be in the minors. AHL playoffs. So yep. the, the bubble guy here is Reinhardt. Is, is Reinhardt. So that's the D they dressed tonight. So Davidson should have looked solid tonight. Yeah, and, well, he looked solid all last year for the Oilers. He's a very good defenseman. This is from uh, Travis in Sylvan Lake. He says, I adore the psychology of the game, which leads me to ask what impact of playing with a world-class player has on teammates. It sounds scary in the aspect that it's equally as opportunistic as it is intimidating. So I think he's suggesting you get to play with this great guy, a McDavid. Here's an opportunity, but is there a oh god, yeah, a fear of not keeping up, a fear of failure? I guess. Well, there certainly is because when you're put, when you're playing with McDavid, you have to have success. That line has to be successful. If it's not. Guess what? They're not blaming McDavid for it. It's your fault. <laughs> and you could you could live under the outside the limelight on a second or a third line and just go about your business and everything's fine. The expectations aren't very high, but the disappointments aren't there either. If you go and you can't handle the pressure, and there's huge pressure, you're playing against better players because you're always playing against the other team's best defensive players, best defensemen, and you you're under a microscope and if things don't go well well you're discarded because they'll find someone else to do it so you've got to be strong and a lot of players they fall under the thing okay I'm playing McDavid get on the puck pass on the puck and then they they continue to push things towards the best player and they get they start playing a game that's not their strength and because they're intimidated playing with other player they think okay he's the guy that should have the puck I better pass it and then they they get themselves into trouble that way. So uh, sometimes the best players to play with the superstars aren't the best players on the team. And Kip Miller is a perfect example. Yarmer Jaeger's favorite ever player to play with was a guy named Kip Miller, who half of Edmonton probably could never name or tell or heard of him. But he understood the game well, and he was able to compliment Yarmer. Uh, also got a text here from... Oh, I just lost it. Where is it? Oh, here we go. Jared says, uh, how long do you wait for chemistry to form? How long do you wait if it's not working at first? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know if there's a perfect answer. Uh, I think sometimes you force it too long, uh, thinking it's going to come. Sometimes it, it it's automatic, and you're like, okay, God, those guys know what they're doing. They read each other very, very well. Um, and, and then also it, it depends on what your alternatives are. If, say, they, they think, okay, we want chemistry out of Everly, Lucic, and McDavid. Maroon, he's hurt right now. So if this line doesn't work, well, who are we going to put up there? Well, we don't have anyone. So let's give them an extra week. Let's give them an extra five games, an extra ten games. I don't know if there's a perfect science. I think a lot of it is the coach reads. If, if the players that are being pushed to try and 
coexist, try to have chemistry, if they look frustrated, then it's time to change it because you can't let frustration creep in. Out of a text here from Crazy Oiler Fan, what happened with the Vancouver goal that replay showed it going in? It should have counted. They don't use video replay in the preseason. Video replay in the preseason, it, it was a weird play because it was obviously in. I think just the angle the ref was at, he didn't see it go in. There was a skirmish after the play. There was one Vancouver player pointing, so it, it, it didn't count. I remember a few years ago, I was doing a, it was a preseason game, and Taylor Hall had a shot that leaked through the goalie. I can't remember who they were playing, and a defenseman pulled it off the goal line, and the ref pointed, and it got counted, and then the replay, you could see the player scooped it out before it crossed the line, and, and there was no replay. Well, so, Yeah, and on this one, I think two things really came into play. One, it shouldn't have been a goal because he should have stopped it. So I think that surprised everybody, the referee and all, because it was a play that shouldn't have gone in. And two, if you, the first thing you want to look at whenever there's a puck around the net and someone's in there is look at the player shooting's reaction. He always knows if the puck is in or not. And the player that put, brought the puck around, I think it was Hutton. Ben Hutton, yeah. He's the one that brought He got hit just as he did it and fell away, and he didn't celebrate. So it was a play that shouldn't have scored, and the guy that shot it, didn't look like he scored and didn't celebrate scoring. So the referee who couldn't see the puck must have figured, okay, the puck's not in. The, the guy behind the net who pointed to the ref that the puck was in, that could have happened after the play. The ref had no idea. Yeah. They couldn't go to he replay. He was late coming in. He was late coming in. And he was watching what was going on in front of the net too. So it was just, it's too bad for Hutton, who had a wonderful game for the Vancouver Canucks tonight. Had this been a regular season game, it would eventually got turned over on video replay and it would have been a goal. Let's go back to Vancouver one more time and here's Connor McDavid. How do you get to the point where you each know where to go? Is it communicating, looking oh, it's at It's just paper. experience. It's just experience and, and getting to know each other a little bit better. Um, you know, we're trying to talk it out and, and you know, figure all that stuff out. But you know, it's just getting um, you know, getting to know the guys a little bit more. And, and you know, Ebs and I already have a lot of chemistry, and, and you know, we're trying to find it with, with Luch. And you know, we did a lot of good stuff tonight and, and a lot of stuff to improve on as well. So um, I'll take the good for the good and, and learn from the bad, and we'll move on. I mean, um, you know, like I said earlier, preseason hockey is never – Never get hockey. It's always scrambly and, and no guys running around, so um, you know, it's always tough to kind of find a rhythm like that. Do you feel like you're a little bit ahead just because you played in the World Cup? Um, you know, I had a few days off and didn't feel very good tonight. Um, you know, that's that's uh, you know, that's just normal, and um, you know, but um, I think uh, definitely won't take long to, to feel good. Connor McDavid not thrilled by preseason hockey. <laughs> uh, he goes without a point tonight but had some dangerous rushes. The Oilers lose 5-3 to the Canucks. Some of your Oilers headlines, Drake Kajula scores twice. Unfortunately, Pat Maroon left the game with an injury. There is no update on that as of uh, yet. It happened in the third period. Looked like a, a left leg, but uh, we'll see what comes out over the next couple of days. Rob, we are back uh, on Friday. The Oilers will play the Winnipeg Jets, 4.30 face-off show. The Winnipeg Jets without Truba. With True? Yeah. No Truba. 4.30 face-off show, 6 o'clock puck drop on 6.30 Ched. At the same time, on our sister station, Kissin' Country 103.9, Eskimos at Blue Bombers, 5.30 pregame show, 6.30 kickoff. Morley Scott and Dave Campbell. So we got both teams covered on core stations Friday night. And we will be listening and watching both at the same time as well. Oilers now, tomorrow... Bob Stoffer, noon to 2. 
No inside sports tomorrow night because we have game two of the World Cup final between Canada and Europe at 6 o'clock. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. We have been in the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre Overtime Open Line presented by the Canadian Brew House. Matthew Panashik has done the job as our studio producer. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Have a great night.